Coming up on your favorite podcast, the end of the regular season has finally come, ladies and gentlemen. That is, it feels like it's been a while. 18 weeks of NFL action has finally come to a close, and we start the playoffs in earnest this weekend. But there are things to talk about. What happened in that last week to get us there? We'll break down all the playoff matchups. It's Black Monday. Now it's Black Tuesday in the NFL. So coaches have been fired. GMs have been fired. We're going to speculate on that. Where's everybody going? Aaron Rodgers, is he done? Felt like the end in Green Bay on Sunday night. We'll see what Zach thinks about that. He was on the scene in Lambeau Field, so he'll file a full report, I'm sure. And... We look at the Eliminator. We came up just a little bit short in our quest to get all the eliminated teams before the playoffs, but we'll break that down in a final regular season prediction segment leading our way to the playoffs. So all of that and much, much more tonight on the podcast. Every podcast should begin with like an orgasmic uh, at the beginning, right before we hit the music. Yes. I don't know who did you stone over there. What's going on? I don't know who did that. Was that on your that end, Ryan? Kid. That was my kid. My goodness. He's uh, he is currently learning how to sit up by himself. So he's uh, he's exerting some force over there. We're ready to hit the theme music. All of a sudden, just this audible groan, uh, which I first thought was Lauren. Like I thought maybe. Oh, low over there was uh, getting after something, but uh, but now, but it apparently was not that. So, hey, welcome to the Tim Anderson Podcast, everybody. I'm Tim. Good to have you. That is my guy, Ryan Nelson Kane, who is uh, three or four days away from hosting his first tournament as a head speech coach. Congratulations to Rhino. Yeah, it doesn't feel like something that deserves congratulations at this point. Uh, I am pulling my hair out with everything that needs to get done Uh but uh, as soon as round one starts on Saturday, I know my troubles are over. That's exactly uh, it. That's what you think. It's a matter of just weathering the storm. I know that for a fact. That's actually true in speech tournaments. You get the first round up, you're usually going to survive. You'll you'll make it to the end at that point. Um, I just got my just got my reading cuttings today. My reading and speaking cuttings. So I have to do discussion myself, but that should be nice and easy. There you go. So. Well, good luck for you, my friend. I can't wait to see you on Saturday. It'll be a fun time. First time we haven't been in a tournament at, on the same team in uh, in nine years, so it'll be kind of a a fun thing. But it'll be it'll be all fun and games until this tournament starts, and then we're all trying to kill each other. So, and on the other side, fresh off of his long drive to Lambeau Field and back uh, to have maybe to see the end of Aaron Rodgers, we'll see the coach Zach Knee Neighbor. Zach, hello. Yeah, it was. Uh... Not the easiest drive back. Uh, Caitlin slept the whole time, and I was uh, able to stew the whole way <laughs> myself. So, <laughs> Did um, they have a lot of post-game stuff for you to listen to on the way back or some Sirius XM or anything yeah, like I that? Yeah, I listened to some post-game stuff. You know, the like once you get out of Green Bay a little ways, though, you kind of start losing their feed, and it's you're jumping between different feeds. And I don't know. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot like around here, a lot of – stupid callers into the show that don't know what they're talking about. And, um, you know, and I'll be honest, like it's fun, right? It's fun going out there every time win or lose. Um, but they are now Oh, and two and I've brought Caitlin with, so that might be the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they haven't lost any other time I've been there. 
<laughs> so and you just got to keep dragging Ryan and dragging new people out there with you every time you go so that you can really uh, yeah. keep that winning streak alive. Um, you know, so it was fun, uh, you know, minus the final result. Um, you know, I don't know how much you want to talk about that game right now, but I'll, I'll say this. I, I've, I'm resigned to the fact that uh, teams are going to go for it on fourth down when I don't think they should. Like I, well, especially I get, Dan Campbell, it's gonna it's gonna happen, right? I mean, well, but you know, Lafleur did the one early in the first quarter. That's um, true too. But you know, so I'm resigned to that fact. I'm not gonna complain about it. My dad was pissed. He's like, I can't believe they went for that. <laughs> um, but my God, is Lafleur the worst fourth and one play caller in the league? It, <laughs> like just every year. I mean, it just absolutely baffles me. Uh, <laughs> his play calling on fourth and one. He does feel like he's a great schemer. Like he can move stuff around, but yeah, fourth and one, it gets very interesting. Doesn't it? It's, you know, Dan Campbell's doing handoff, then, you know, reverse. Like, I don't know what that play was that Campbell ran late in the game to kind of secure the win. That he hands it ladder. back. Yeah. That, that was the yeah. most like ballsy play call you ever saw in your life. And you're like, man, you need some courage to make that play call. Well, I, and I said it, multiple times leading up to this game. Um, I would much have preferred the lions were playing for something yeah. than having them being eliminated because, uh, you know, an eliminated lions team will go for a bunch of fourth downs and run trick plays. I mean, it is exactly what I predicted, right? They ran flea flicker. They ran hook and ladder. They went for it on a couple of fourth downs and converted on the times that they did. Um, it, it, they played out exactly like I thought it would. And yes, we know Dan Campbell's been known to take some gambles and risks, but does he do that if the playoffs are on the line? We don't know. It's a good question. Might, we, we'd find out if Dan Campbell was truly the guy that's going to be this aggressive coach all the way through. And if the money was on the line, maybe it'd be a different story. Well, because right we talked about it with the Vikings game, right? Like he went for it on fourth down, the one that the, the one that the Vikings won. He went for it on fourth down a whole bunch of times. And then the time we actually thought he should have gone for it, he didn't. He kicked it, and they end up losing. It's true. Uh, interesting thing, because now the Lions finish second this season uh, at 9-8 and eight in the division. Not enough to get in. The Packers go 8-9. and nine. Uh, They're out. Uh you know, you didn't get to see it, Zach, because you were, you know, you were at the game trying to leave. But Ryan, I know you watched it with me. NBC was fixated on Rodgers at the end of the game, following him up the tunnel. Uh, and it really looked like this sort of forlorn, resigned, I'm leaving. Was this Rodgers' last stand in Green Bay? Uh, I think. Can you even predict that anymore? Go ahead, Ryan. I was just going to say, I think that we read into it a bit. I, you know, you got, you got a guy who loses a game that was winning into the playoffs. You know, it's, it's a home game where they're not used to losing home games to a team. They're not really used to losing to, uh, you know, it's, of course he's going to be a little forlorn. Right. And he's sitting there with his friend and and look, we don't know if Cobb's going to be back. He's old too. Lazard's not going to be, if we heard Lazard's comments in the locker room. I think Lazard's got some sour grapes because Green Bay didn't pay him what he wanted to get paid. But you know the 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 Rogers Cobb thing just strikes me as two friends walking out in a season that you know one or both of them might not be back, and that's a 
that's a reality they have to wrestle with. So I think we I think we read into it a little bit too much with the Rogers thing, and and we'll know in due time. But you know the media's got to get their got to get their pound of flesh, and they got to talk about their stuff and create as much drama as possible. But it was just a tough game. It was a tough loss and a, a game that Green Bay probably should have won, and they didn't. So of course he's going to take it a little hard. I th- I think the Lazard stuff like. He wants to be the guy, and they don't think he's the guy, and he's not the guy. He, right? I mean, he had every chance in the world to be the number one receiver. He can't stay on the field. Well, I mean, he he he's a fine player. He's a nice player, but he's not a number one wide receiver on a really good team. He had an opportunity to be that this year, and he wasn't. Right, right, and he was clearly passed by Watson, and. He, you know, he might be behind Dobbs. I mean, he's he's a below average number two receiver on good teams, I think. Well, he was certainly going to have to be an important cog in the wheel. Ryan and I in the over-under pod at the beginning of the year, I went back and just finally tallied that. We had, of course, Ryan had the Packers winning 15, 16 games. Um, but a lot of that was because, A, of the matchups, but also because I think there was this perception that well, Rodgers will be okay. LaFleur will figure it out. And Lazard is good enough to maybe ascend to the number one position or at least the number two position with Watson. And that just never really materialized. And in the end, that receiving core took too long to gel, didn't it, guys? I, I mean, in the end, they were four and eight. And maybe it's a different animal if, you know, I, I know Cowherd's pointed this out where he said things like, you know, hey, maybe do some offseason stuff with your rookie wide receivers. Maybe maybe Rodgers, instead of doing ayahuasca tea and soul searching, should be actually going to the mandatory mini camps and working with wide receivers and building chemistry, and maybe it would have been a different story had he done that. I don't know if that's easy to say. I, I mean, I think that's easy to say in hindsight, but I don't know. Maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's something to the fact that Lazard just isn't Devontae Adams and all of that yeah. stuff comes together. What do you think it all is? Lazard's not a number one. And I think the biggest detriment to this was actually that Watson got hurt. Right? Watson was banged up and wasn't a significant part. And when Watson came back and was at full strength, that's when the team got better. Right. Right. And so I think that that was the biggest detriment to them, not, you know, losing. Uh, or, or not throwing in the off season. It's it was losing him and not having him out there because him him and Dobbs were not on the field together for much of the first twelve games. And right. that and when when they were they were a different team and and you know the thing they're going to miss most Mozart is his blocking, right? We can go back to that. I mean it's become a meme now him knocking three dolphins over, but it uh, that's really his best attribute. They got a lot of decisions to make in Green Bay. Certainly, it starts with the quarterback, uh, but they obviously have got to do a lot of things to address, you know, some of the offensive stuff. Uh, defensively, they got some guys that are more like morons. Quay uh, Walker, total moron move that I think really hurt them. They might have lost the game anyway, but I think that move cemented their loss. Uh, just an absolute bonehead decision. Um, and just a few other defensive just lapses where, again, Detroit was able to get big plays late. Hey, Ryan, let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, to kind of a twofold question here. Um, did Houston fire Lovey Smith because Lovey Smith won on Sunday, or was this a foregone conclusion before that game? And now that the Bears have the number one pick, what do they do with it? 
Uh, well, number one, I, I think that I think Lovey Smith went for two because he was getting fired. Personally, I, mm. I think that there was reports that he had a meeting with ownership uh, and, and Nick Casario the day before. Uh, my guess is is that they were probably trying to give him a chance to, you know, to to go out gracefully and, and let him know, you know, hey, we're, this is probably your last game in Houston. Uh, and I I I think he went for two. Uh, knowing that he wasn't coming back next year. Uh, for Chicago, I mean, I, Zach brought this up in in, in the chat, and I, th- I thought that this was a good idea uh, of trading Justin Fields and picking the quarterback uh, that you want. I think if you're if you're if you're looking for picks, you could do one. I think if you're looking to maximize uh, what you want to do, I think you could do both. I think you could trade Justin Fields and trade the number one pick and get a ton of picks and still come out with a really good quarterback picking third or fourth, uh, rather than uh, than you know dropping back and uh, you know sitting at one and, and just trading Fields or just dropping back and keeping Fields. You could get you know C.J. Stroud or, or Will Levis or whoever it is that you want at quarterback. Get another four years on a rookie contract. Uh, and get a, a boatload of picks for both, completely overhaul your entire team, uh, and just understand that you hold all the cards and just start from scratch. Uh, I think that you don't have to rule that out, and I don't think they have ruled that out. Uh, we heard Ryan Poles this week saying that um, he'd need to be blown away with a uh, an offer to get rid of Justin Fields. That's not exactly closing the door uh, on a trade for Justin Fields. It's not exactly closing the door on – on you know that that Justin Fields won't be their quarterback next year and it's important to remember that Justin Fields wasn't his guy right he didn't pick Justin Fields he he inherited Justin Fields and he saw him this year and kind of what he could do and there were some flashes there but it's important to note too that a lot of the flashes that we saw from Justin Fields none of them came through the air he was not making great throws he was running the ball he was putting he, he was using his legs he was making plays you know stretching plays out and then getting out of the pocket and running down the field for a huge touchdown. But that's not sustainable. And we know that's not sustainable. You have to be able to throw the ball. And when Justin Fields was tasked with throwing the ball, uh, he didn't do well. So I think his, I think his uh, uh, trade value is limited by that. I think that there's going to be teams that, that the interest cools on him. Uh, But if you're, if you're looking at maximizing what you can, do, trade both. I mean, if, if you don't think you can get a, a good passer out of Justin Fields, I think you trade both of them. I think I think if they trade both, they will be absolutely roasted. And I th- I think the the move here is to trade Fields because, like I said, it resets the clock. Right, yeah. you're back to a rookie contract in year one. So if you think there's a quarterback out there that's equal to Fields or better, you take him because you're still going to get a decent amount for Fields and. You can still put weapons around the new guy. I just, I and I and I haven't seen enough out of the fields to be like, yeah, there's, you know, he's clearly the better quarterback than anyone in this draft. And there's a precedent here for that, right? Like the Arizona Cardinals did that when they drafted Josh Rosen. They had Steve Wilkes. They fired everybody that offseason. The new GM came in and said, you know, I'm not married to this Josh Rosen thing. We got a new coach coming in. I think we got to make a call now and get a new guy. So they they cut bait on Josh Rosen after year one, which actually proves to be a really good decision. And they go to Kyler Murray 
because they deemed Murray to have more upside in the draft. And I, I think that's probably true, even though I'm, we're, neither of us are huge fans of Kyler Murray at this point. Uh, but it reset their clock. It restarted things. It Didn't got some Jets momentum the other way. Well? What's that? Didn't the Jets just do it as well when they – because didn't yeah. they quarterback a few years before now taking Zach Wilson? Yeah, I think that's true. Like whether I think it was yeah, they took Darnold and then two yeah. years later they took Wilson. Yep. And now they might not they might move Wilson and take somebody else. You know, you you although I, you get the vibe they want to go veteran uh with the Jets, but who's to say, right? They they could go a <laughs> lot of different directions right there. Who knows? The Patriots might be in line for a new quarterback. There's lots of stuff, a lot of moving parts here. And I think what this shows is that goes back to the stuff that you, th- us three always talk about. Us three always say, take a quarterback every year. Maybe not in the first round, but always take a quarterback. Every time you can take one, take one. You might because you find you never one know. the very last pick of the draft. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> San Francisco is proof positive that you should always take one. Even if they don't work out, you never know if you're going to find something. And Brock Purdy could be proof of that. Think about this. If the Niners win the Super Bowl... Brock Purdy goes 10 and 0 as the Mr. Irrelevant pick of the draft, 10 and 0 and wins a Super Bowl if he runs the table the rest of the way. I mean, what's a better story than that? I, I, I can't think of one. That's pretty terrific. So just just looking at the draft order here real quick and just to kind of reinforce my conversation about potentially trading both. I know you think they'd get roasted, but just looking at the order. Quarterback needy teams behind them that could trade up that have the capital to trade up you've got obviously houston with the number two pick they could try and and trade a bunch to move up one pick but indianapolis at four detroit at six even seattle at five if they don't want to move on with geno smith seattle at five could be a trade a trade position there el or the vegas at at seven and and carolina at nine i think that's getting a little low for chicago but certainly picks four through six uh, with King's ransoms there that could trade up for for any quarterback they want. Yeah. Now I I have I have a source that says that Detroit's not taking a quarterback this year. Well, what if what if right? I mean, what if you talk to the Colts though and say, hey, what about Fields for four? That'd be that'd be a ridiculous price for Justin Fields. But you think I'm not saying they wouldn't pay it, but that'd be a ridiculous price for Justin Fields. You think, but you're, but but now you're talking about. So so this is this goes back to my argument then. So if teams are you're not willing to give up a four, the fourth pick for Justin Fields, but yet we're thinking that teams are going to give up the fourth pick and more to get Bryce Young or Will Levis. I think that they they're willing to give up the fourth pick or more for four years of Bryce Young or Will Levis or C.J. Stroud. Who Which, may end up being quarterback one in this draft? But then that's my point. That's exactly why the the Bears should look at Bryce Young or Will Levis. And no, you're you're right. I'm not saying they shouldn't, but I'm saying that you can probably get him, get your quarterback at or a one of those quarterbacks at four or five, because Arizona's not taking a quarterback, right? And it, the only team that you got to worry about then is Houston. So the team that you trade to Houston's Houston, absolutely taking a quarterback. Yeah. They're, it doesn't matter who the next coach is. They're absolutely right. taking a quarterback. The team you trade to Houston, you don't have to worry about Arizona who may trade out of that spot themselves. And then if you trade down to five, you've got to worry about Indianapolis taking a quarterback. But if you trade them field, if you trade them fields for like 
a second and a third, and they can hold it four and take a non-quarterback position there. Right? So now, now you've traded your first overall pick. You've netted a ton of picks for a team to move up. You've eliminated one of your competition pieces for a, a quarterback in Indianapolis by trading them Justin Fields. You've gotten a bunch of their picks for Justin Fields, and your rebuild, re, your rebuild is on. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, that that's that to me would be the strategy with trading them both. To be continued on that one, we'll watch it because I think there's some variables there to work. But I thought it was very interesting. Uh, I think you might be right, Ryan. I think Lovey must have known he was being fired. But again, guys don't tank in the NFL. There's no tanking because guys can't risk injury and guys don't know if they're going to be on the team the next year. There's no tankings. And Lovey's not interested in tanking. And I thought the guys played pretty hard for Lovey. I think he got kind of a raw deal. I think they're going to have a hard time finding a really good coaching candidate with the way that they've recycled through the coaching community. Speaking of Lovey, though, and fired coaches, Cliff Kingsbury was also fired on Monday. Uh, Zach, let me ask you this. Kyler Murray, they've said the Michael Bidwell said Kyler's going to have input in the next coach. So who the hell's that going to be? Do you have an idea? <laughs> That's going to be a disaster. That's I. <laughs> what? Uh, not. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I'm fine with firing Kingsbury, but man, to let your to let your quarterback have that much power when he's he's not. He's not even like is he even a top ten quarterback right now? I wouldn't call him that. No, and you're gonna let him like pick everything? It just seems like a mess. That and there's a reason why the Cardinals have been shitty for the most of our lives, right? I mean, you can probably count Cardinal playoff appearances on one hand. I think you're probably right on that. You know, and by saying this too, right? They their GM steps down. What GM in his right mind, worth his salt, is going to come in and take that job and say, "Oh yeah, I'll work with the quarterback and pick the GM or pick the head coach"? Like, no. Like, isn't that what you want to do when you're the GM? Don't you want to pick the coach? I mean, you certainly want to make sure that it's a guy that you're on the same page with. And I just, I don't know how that happens. I mean, was so. Kyler Murray was what at Oklahoma? Yes. Yep. And he had a cup of tea at Texas AM, I think. But I mean Lincoln Riley's not gonna come coach him. No. Uh, so maybe. No, he's not leaving USC. Would you, no. would you reduce your workload in half to go coach in the NFL for with a guy you know? I mean Your workload's not cut in half. You're not you're not going on the road recruiting. Yeah, but they're those guys are spending way more time doing everything else. Trust me. You you think college coaches are doing half the work or twice the work of an NFL coach? I, I mostly meant the recruiting side of it, but it was I'm exaggerating it. But. Yeah, I so I don't think. I mean, he just he just went there. They just backed up the truck for him. He's if if it was year four at USC. Then maybe, but I don't think he's doing it now. But it's clear they're going to have to hire an offensive-minded coach, so that already eliminates the D'Amico Ryan's of the groups, the you know the the guys we like, right? It's going to have to be some sort of offensive guru, quarterback whisperer, somebody who's going to be appealing to Kyler, that's going to take advantage of his skill set. Like who the hell's that? Like who's going to that? Who does that make sense for? Like, I don't know a veteran, like Sean Payton's not going to want that. I, I I think, I think that we're back in the situation that we've talked about. Like you're going to start hearing 
about random offensive coordinators' names pop up that we're not even 100% sure who they are, and they haven't been calling plays, and that's what's going to end up being. Hell, it's going to be Ben Johnson from Detroit. Like, Jesus Christ. I mean, if he's going to call hook and ladders on fourth down, that's the kind of stuff Kyler wants, the Madden stuff. Let it be that guy, I guess. I mean, it's uh, they could say he has input and then end up hiring somebody else, too. I mean, this could just be something they're using to try and appease him publicly. I mean, are we are we sold on the idea that Kyler Murray is a long-term answer in Arizona at this point? Well, We're not, I mean, he ownership won. clearly is. Yeah. And they so they committed a lot of money to him. He won the power struggle, obviously, with Kingsbury and, yeah, I mean, you know, if, with if the general gonna, manager. If you're going to pay him all that money and let him pick the head coach or have say in picking the head coach, however you want to classify that, like, they're keeping him. At least for the foreseeable future anyway, right? I mean, it's, right. Yeah. Yeah. Other headlines around the league. Uh, Tomlin maintains his winning streak. Steelers finished the year 9-8. and eight. I don't know how the hell they did that. That was impressive. One thing I learned this year, guys, out of the regular season, this was my takeaway. And I kind of thought about this Sunday night. I guess I'll hear from both of you on this. My big takeaway is this. Unlike the other leagues, the coach matters. more than I mean, coaching and scheme matter in the NFL more than any other league. And maybe that's why it's interesting because in the beginning of the year, and I listened to the over under pod back with me and Ryan, I I said, Seattle's going to win two, three games. Ryan had him winning two, three games and they win nine and they make the playoffs. And what's the difference? Well, Pete Carroll's a good coach. Like we can, we can laugh at him, the gun, the gum chewing, the stomping around the sidelines. And we can look at the caricature that is Pete Carroll. The guy's a good football coach. Mike Tomlin, that Steelers team gets off to a terrible start. He circles the wagons with a rookie quarterback, and he's a good coach. So he figures out how to get to 9-8. and eight. Um, But then you look at some teams that you're like, man, you know, the Patriots should have been better than 8-9, and especially with Belichick. But then you look around and go, yeah, but he's got a bunch of yes-men, and and it's probably the, poor, the worst coached Belichick team we've ever seen, right? The two kickoff returns against Buffalo – uh, Patricia seems all over the place calling plays. The defensive coordinator's his son. Like it, it's coaching the, it, matters. It's the worst coaching staff he's had. Yeah, one hundred percent the worst yeah. coaching staff. And, and it's had. it's one hundred percent on him too. I mean, you guys work for decades to get to a coordinator position in the NFL, and you're handing the OC position to Matt Patricia. I mean, it's at at no point. In this year, was that a serious a serious hire? There, there was nothing that that the Patriots offense that did this year that demonstrated that Matt Patricia was even even competent, let alone proficient in calling offensive plays in the NFL. And you know, Joe Judge was a special teams coordinator, and yet he's coaching quarterbacks. It's like, no, let put Joe Judge at the special teams position where he actually understands things, because the special teams guy they had was terrible, and it, it just didn't make any sense to me. And then you look around the league, and again. The good coaches figured it out. Like Baltimore had three quarterbacks this year, and they found a way to win ten games. Uh, you know, the, uh, Steve Wilkes did a great job in Carolina after Matt Rule got fired. Went six and six. That's pretty good, right? Considering they traded away their best player, they went through four different quarterbacks, they played a million different guys, and they finished the year six and six. That's good coaching. Are you like, that's are you good coaching? Steve Wilkes a good coach. 
No, I'm just saying that was a good coaching job and coaching matters. The one thing Steve Wilkes did do, and I'll give him credit for this, is like he came in and said, we're going to just be a power running team. We're going to run the football regardless. That's who we're going to be. He came in as an interim coach and put an identity on the team, which I think matters, right? I think that matters. Just like bad coaching, Nathaniel Hackett, we learned on week one, like, oh boy, they don't got a good head coach. Like that's a bad coach. Yeah. And so, and, and it didn't work out. So what we learned is if you've got a good coach, you're in it. You got a chance. Like Matt LaFleur is a good coach. So even at four and eight, you couldn't rule out Green Bay, even though Rodgers wasn't having a great season. You couldn't rule him out because Matt LaFleur is a good coach. And he could scheme it, and he could come up with a system that made some sense, and they could get back into this thing. And so, they did. Almost got in. An, an interesting thing to note, you know, you were talking about how, um, you know, Carolina just came in and decided to run the ball. And we've all talked about how run uh, rushing is important. But I saw a stat today that 10 of the top 11 passing offenses are in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, and that's the way today's NFL is played. And so, yes. That's also, I think if you've got the quarterback, like if you've got the guys, sure, you pass. Right. Right. You can. But like what you're seeing is what's your way back if you're short on talent? How do you stay in games? You got to be a running team. You got to power it. You gotta be. You gotta be yeah. creative and and do some different stuff. You you need to look like San Francisco and like Baltimore, where the quarterback position isn't as important. And I do think that that's part of the reason why Baltimore has not paid the quarterback yet. And I don't know if they're gonna pay the quarterback. So I guess that's my in the end my big takeaway this season is. You know, a lot of teams got to look around at their guy and say, I don't know if we've got a good guy. Like Zach Taylor to me showed me a lot this year. I think Zach Taylor's a good coach. McDermott's a good coach. Dable showed me some stuff. Rivera showed me some stuff this year. There were, are some good coaches in this league. Weren't you calling for Zach Taylor's head last year? I was. Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor showed me leadership stuff this year. Like the stuff that I was really like thrilled about. Ryan, I don't know if you saw this too, but like coaches that didn't work, you start looking around and go, McDaniels doesn't look like a head coach. Stefanski doesn't look like a head coach. We saw Kingsbury didn't look like a head coach. Bowles doesn't look like a head coach. You know, you start I, I to see that. I'm going to push back a little bit on McDaniel here. I, I, I'm sorry. Did you say McDaniel or McDaniels? McDaniels. Mike McDaniel, okay, I think, might be having. Although Mike McDaniel had moments where I'm like, I don't know, that guy doesn't seem he, like he's he real some, serious. He about had this. some moments, but there, I, I do think that there's some growing pains for guys that haven't done this before. Yep. And I, I, I like Mike McDaniel. Josh McDaniels has no business being a head coach right now. I, I just don't believe he does. I don't think he 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 did not show the requisite growth that I would have expected from a guy who's done this before with a team that should have been better in Vegas. Uh, even in a division that was probably over there, o- overmatched for them this year, I, I just don't see the growth from a guy who should have been better having done this before. And Josh McDaniel, I'll disagree with you on that one. He he deserves another year. Um, I would agree. I'll, I'll I'll say I'm not saying fire all of these guys that I'm saying didn't do a good job, but I'm saying if you're ownership, you have to at least look at them and go, all right. I don't know if I got out of this guy what like. What we what Pete Carroll did in Seattle, or what some of these other coaches were able to do. I don't know if this was a great coaching job by I, our I'll, guy. But I just I just look at McDaniel's and go, okay, he's had three years as a head coach now, right? And he hasn't had a quarterback in any of them. And he, I mean, he won so a. You're anti-car. Car's going to start somewhere next year. 
he's not good. Is he the worst? Is he, is he bottom third? Yes. Bottom third. For sure. You don't think he's like in the top 15? No. I think he's top 15, don't you think? Isn't it possible he's top half of this league? I don't I don't think so. I, I think he is... Would you take Kyler in front of him? Probably. Really? Okay. Yeah. Right, because I think I think there's a lot of things I can do with Kyler that I can't do with Carr. I just I I look at him and go, he. I mean, what's he, he hasn't done anything over his career, right? They've made the playoffs once or twice. Um, he, like, I mean, he had Devonte Adams there and didn't do anything with him. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and then they go to Stidham for the first game, and Stidham rips him the ball seventeen times, or whatever. You know, and that's a little bit of hyperbole, but I just, yeah, no, I would not take him. I would not want him on my team, and I think that you know he's. Don't get me wrong; he's going to be on the hot seat, right? He's going to have to show some improvement next year. But they weren't that far. I mean, they were six and eleven. They were, and and we can talk about like the games that they had leads in and lost and whatever. That's fine. Um, but I mean, I think they finished where we expected them to. I mean, that that division, I think, went how we expected it to go. Right? Yeah, to a certain extent. Raiders, Broncos. I think Ryan had more love for the Chargers at the beginning of the season than he did. I I thought the Chargers would be better. They had they dealt with more with the Chargers injury bug and they actually ended up winning some some games despite it. I thought the Broncos would be better than they were. I think we both did. did the over under in fairness, well, I thought they'd thought be better. The Raiders would finish last. I thought the Raiders would finish last, but I I didn't think that the Raiders were going to be as bad as they were. I, I thought I thought that this was a 500 team. I didn't think that it was a 6 and 11 team. So you, so you basically expected the AFC West to be like the NFC East. I did. Yeah, I thought it was going to be the best division of football this year. And that's that's fair. Like some of that, you know, I think we all thought they would be better than they are. And that um, was coming off Carr. You know, really Carr was the leader last year, Zach. Like he willed that Raiders team to the playoffs with Pitt Boss Rich as the coach. Like, I mean, it was Carr that was the best player on the team that made that happen last year. I, I will so say I think this. a lot of people thought that going in. I will say this, though. I think that we're overvaluing making the playoffs in this current format. You might be right, especially if you're the seven seed. Because the seven seeds this year are not great. Speaking of that, maybe that's a good time to go to that piece. Uh, we'll watch. We'll keep watching coaching openings as they, as they develop. I know Jim Harbaugh's interviewing in Denver this week. Um, there's a wor- word is that he's emerged as the front runner for that job. Um, Indy's open. Houston's open. Carolina. Arizona, we think Sean McVay is going to step away from the Los Angeles Rams. I think that seems to be all the accounts are are looking that direction. I think there's still one more surprise opening somewhere in this league. I don't know where it's going to be yet, Um, but there, there, there's some, there's some smoke out there that, you know, McDaniel's in trouble in Miami for some reason. I don't know why, but they think like that would be a target. There are some things out there. There's things brewing, right? So I wouldn't be surprised if we have seven openings in the next two weeks. Would not be surprised. Will McVay be the next offensive coordinator for your Vikings? (laughs) No, Uh, I think he'll go to Fox. But there is is a rumor that Raheem Morris may end up being the new defensive coordinator for the Vikings. 
Yeah, he's probably trying to get out of there. If he can't get a head coaching the, job, get him a higher profile defensive the, coordinator job. The the uh, the rumor mill surrounding that is the amount of Rams guys that followed McConnell here uh, after he took this job, and the amount of guys that wanted to come with him as well. Uh, it's it sounds like that the the whole thing just kind of fell apart in LA this year, and it wasn't necessarily McVeigh's fault, but that it's a tight knit group, and if McVeigh goes, half the defensive talent's gone with him. Uh, because Aaron Donald might retire too. Uh, oh yeah, they're in s- salary cap hell. They have no picks. They're gonna have to trade Jalen Ramsey to get any kind of value from somewhere. They got to trade everybody. They got to just get the whole group out of there and start a f- start fresh. We'll see what happens. But I think the Rams are gonna be open. There's gonna be some open jobs here in the next uh, couple weeks. So I think stay tuned to the pod. We'll we'll keep you updated. Let's look at the uh, the playoff matchups real quick, guys. We'll get to actual predictions here in just a second. But let's talk about who made the playoffs and look at this weekend's matchups. And then uh, let's talk a little bit about what would be the worst Super Bowl matchup out of these teams that are left. So let's take a look at the matchups. Seattle versus San Francisco. The Chargers versus Jacksonville. That's your Saturday night. Miami against Buffalo. Uh, The Giants versus Minnesota. Baltimore, Cincinnati, Dallas, Tampa Bay. Uh, out of those teams, not counting Philadelphia and well, I actually throw Philadelphia and Kansas City in the two one seeds. Um, who do you like? Who, what's the worst Super Bowl matchup there, or what's the worst team to come out of each conference? Uh, Zach Ryan, what do you think? Well, the the matchup that I would least like to watch would probably be Seattle and Baltimore. That was yeah. my two as well. Those yeah, were my two. I just like. Not that they're necessarily the worst teams, um, but I just don't know that there's a lot of juice in that matchup. Uh, the one interesting thing might come out of that is just, you know, we touched on it earlier, but is the Lamar Jackson saga. Um, obviously would get ramped up uh, with some of that, but like, I don't, I don't want to see them. Um, I'll be honest. I'm sorry, Tim, but I don't want to see Tampa. Like I'm done with all the Tom Brady stuff. I don't want to see Tom on a bad team getting blown out in the Super Bowl or anything like that. So I'm with you there. I'd rather see Tom go out early. Maybe make it, maybe stick it to Dallas. I would love that. Yeah, and then, that's what I was you know, say too. And then duck out to San Francisco, you know, duck out against Philly or San Francisco. I, I'd, I'd love to see Dallas get beat by Tampa this weekend. I, I would... I would love to, as much as I, I am tired of the Tom Brady stuff. And I, I know Tim hates me for saying that, but yeah, as tired I as I am of as, t- as tired as I am of, of the Tom Brady stuff, give me one more good game and just, just beat Dallas, please. I gotta hate the Cowboys. Just, just end it. Tim, I, th- I think it's time for you to embrace like the new Tom Brady and get on this Brock Purdy bandwagon. I'm telling you, I love Brock Purdy. I'm in. If the Niners want to make a run with Brock Purdy and then they make a commitment to him, let's go. I mean, that's a great story. How do you not do, do root wanna, for that kid? How do you do not root get for on him? The ground floor? Do we want to get on the ground floor and, and, and become Brock Purdy fans on this podcast? Why not? I'm in. I'm in 100% on Brock Purdy. Let's go. Let's do it. So I, I was I, in on Bailey Zappi. Right. The, the inverse of what we're just talking about, like what – Super Bowl matchup do we not want to see? Like, what do we want to see? Like, I I would like to see San Francisco and Jacksonville. <laughs> Ooh. And and I know and I know that I know that that's probably Jacksonville's probably not on a lot of people's radar. But here's here's the deal. 
If Jacksonville gets there, it means that Trevor Lawrence is going to go through three of the golden boy quarterbacks and beat all of them. That's kind of what Joe Burrow did last year, right? Like Joe Burrow ascended when he beat Mahomes and he beat, you know, Lamar Jackson and all these guys. If his, if his path is beating Herbert, then beating uh, Mahomes and then beating Burrow or Allen, like that's going to be a big deal, right? Because right now we don't have him. A lot of people don't have him high on that list of quarterbacking, but I, he has done a lot in the last, you know, six weeks to make played really well. Like he is, he is emerging as one of those top 10 guys. Do you want to hear the craziest stat? I think I I've heard about the AFC playoffs right now. Patrick Mahomes is the oldest quarterback starting in the, in the, (laughs) in the AFC playoffs right now. He's 27 years old and he's the oldest quarterback starting in the playoffs. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Like that would be a great story over there. Also, I'll, you know, I'll be honest. Like I don't, I don't want to see Mahomes again. Um, I can still see Mahomes. I'm good with Mahomes and Andy Reid. I just, I, I would like, you know, if, if I was, uh, if I was going to write the NFL story here over the next, 10 years is I would have Mahomes get close and not get back for a while. I would, I would have him on the, the Marino trajectory here where it was easy early and you thought there's going to be a bunch of them. And then there's not, hmm. um, I don't want to see Buffalo. I find their fans incredibly obnoxious and, well, the, the issue with Buffalo right now is uh, we have a lot of people who have all of a sudden become huge DeMar Hamlin fans, you know, like Robert Griffin III. By the way, Robert Griffin III, can you please go away? Like, go away. Like, you are the worst, the worst, the most disingenuous. Get out of here. Like, get off my television. I never want to watch you on TV again. You are awful. I have a hard time calling anybody the worst when Skip Bayless is alive. Skip Bayless is really bad. But but Skip Bayless isn't on my TV on Sunday mornings. Okay. Bob Griffin's on TV all the time. I can't stand him. I did, I did laugh because Robert Griffin did tweet out last night. <laughs> you know, the, co- the comeback frogs are never out of a game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh geez. So, just get oh. just get the fuck out of here. Seriously. I'm done. I, he's like worse than Russell Wilson. Like he's hey, he's I, the worst. I don't wanna I don't wanna uh kind of bounce up and down on the poor TCU horned frogs, but I do just want to point out last week I said they'd be lucky to score twenty one points and then I thought this game was gonna be a huge massive blowout. Zach and I were both right on that. This I, was, we, I think we agreed on the massive blowout. All three of us had Georgia by a lot, right? Yeah. Covering the spread and uh, winning that by a lot certainly proved that. The only reason I don't want Buffalo is I guess I just don't want two weeks of rehashing all of this, the events of the last week. You know, like, like I'm happy for this kid that he woke up and that he got released from the hospital. He's probably going to be at the game. Uh, this Sunday when they take on Miami. I'm sure he'll probably do the coin toss if he can walk out onto the middle of the field and the crowd will go crazy and he'll be the emotional lift. And I'm, I'm just super happy for him, right? I just also think that this story, like too many people have gotten in on this story and they would love to ride this story in the Super Bowl for two weeks. So therefore, I can't have it. Like, I don't want that. I don't think that's, that's just, I, I want the story to be about the game and not about all the other stuff. And so... 
I'm I'm out on the Buffalo thing. I'd like to see I'd like to see Cincinnati. I'd like to see I'm in on Jacksonville, and I'd like to see Kansas City. I would like to see that San Francisco. I think San Francisco or Minnesota are the only two I'd really like to see out of the NFC. I don't want to see Philadelphia. I don't want to see it. I'm bored. Give me San Francisco or give me a surprise team like Minnesota, who I think is being disrespected a little bit <laughs> in the rankings this week. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are a lot of people who are saying the Giants are going to win that game. Tim, everybody's saying it. Tim, I'll, I'll give you a situation for your for your Eagles. That would be fun. Okay. Okay. Philly and Jacksonville. Okay. <laughs> Doug Peterson boy. Doug Peterson. Right. And and let's 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 go back to his firing here for a moment. Because he was in the same position that the Lions were in on Sunday night. Right. Right? He had a chance to try to knock someone out and called off the dogs and went for pick. And that seemed to have worked out pretty well now here for Philadelphia, right? Two years later. Yeah. And and so but I think I think having him like back there and that matchup would be interesting. That that is an underrated one, right? That probably a lot of people aren't thinking about, but that would be a lot of fun. Could you see him calling like Duval Duval, like a Duval Duval special around the goal line to run it against Philly, against the Philly Philly special? How good would that be? I would love it. I would I would love that matchup. Yeah, I, I can't I let think that would be a lot of fun. Um, and I can't have the Chargers in the Super Bowl because that would give Dan, uh, that would give Brandon Staley some credit, and I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Sorry, I can't allow it. I uh, allow it. if if you're asking me to pick a matchup for Philadelphia that I'd like to see in the Super Bowl, I would uh, I would very much like to see Philadelphia Kansas City. I want Ooh, that Andy offense. Reed Bowl. I, I want I want the that Philadelphia defense against the Kansas City offense, and I want to see that for four quarters. I'd like to see Andy Reid win and then double birds while eating a pizza at the award at the trophy stand, <laughs> flipping off the Philadelphia fans, <laughs> telling all of them to pound sand. Uh, that would be worth my. That would be worth the the price of admission. No question about that. Hey, uh, let's do some predictions. Let's actually predict some of these first round games. Uh, just for the record. All three of us at the end of the regular season. Now, again, we had to throw out the Buffalo-Cincinnati game. We never got it. Um, we never got the finish to that game, so we only picked a grand total of 79 games, not the full slate of 80 that we would have normally got. And all three of us finish 44-35 and 35 on the season. Flat-footed three-way tie after 79 games. That's Pretty incredible. Bananas. How about the team challenge, Zach? Do we have anything on the team challenge? Oh, he's muted. Let's get him back on there. Let's get his mic turned back on. He's probably looking it up right yeah, now. I'll, I'll pull it up here um, while we make some picks. I don't know if I updated it for the final week or not. All uh, right. I just I actually just updated it as we were doing the podcast here. Okay. Oh, very nice. Uh, All right. So what do we have then, Ryan? Judges in for this weekend. Uh, it is... Uh, Starting at the, in third place, uh, uh, Zach with 82 and a half. Whoa. Hey, uh, Tim has been behind all year. Second place uh, is Tim with 83, half point up. And then uh, I won with 86 and a half. Look at that guy. 
Wow. So another pretty, pretty tight, tight stuff this yeah. year. Yeah. That's Very tight. Well done, guys. I thought we did a pretty good job this year. In the Broncos, I managed to win this thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're going to pick all six of these playoff games. So we're going to keep the prediction segment. We're going to have a separate prediction uh, uh, total here. We'll do a separate standings here for the playoffs. We can maybe add them all up at the end. So the regular season ends in a three-way tie. Let's go to the playoffs. First game is Seattle and San Francisco. It's the Saturday game. This used to be called like the um, the Marvin Lewis Bowl, you know, or whatever, because they'd always throw those really bad Bengals teams into that first game. We got to name this bowl, right? We got to name this game, and uh, we got to turn something special into the first playoff game of the year because it's always, you know, just the crappiest game. Throw it out there. It's the Seattle Seahawks against the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners are 10-point favorites, 10-point favorites. Ryan, I'll give it to you first. I'm going to take San Francisco to win and cover. San Fran wins and covers the 10, so they're going to win big against the Seattle Seahawks team. Uh, I do think San Francisco is going to win, but I'll take Seattle to cover. uh, 10 points on a shorter week, right? They're playing the first game on Saturday, um, and – I just think that Seattle does enough to make they'll they'll make the game kind of garbagey, right? It's not going to be uh, fun to watch. I don't think I don't think it's going to be um, artistically beautiful. But San Francisco <laughs> will probably win something like you know twenty eight to twenty. Next year we have to go to like a dive bar in the area and make watch the game from the dive bar location. Like we've got to pick like, uh, you know, McGillicuddy's in Anoka or something like that and just go hang out there for this game and name it the bowl. we got to have a special bowl title for it, I think. I'm going to take San Francisco to win this game and cover. I think they can win it like 21-10. Would, would that shock me if that was, a, was, that was the final score, 24-13, 24-10, something like that? I think that's what it'll be. So I'm going to take San Francisco to win and cover. So I'm there. Next one. This is the most interesting first-round matchup, actually. It really is. Saturday night, the Los Angeles Chargers on the road in Duval, taking on Jacksonville. The Chargers are one-point road favorites, Zach. One-point road favorites. Are we Are we going to get the same dude with the receding hairline playing the national anthem on his guitar? Why wouldn't you? We keep it going. <laughs> I would keep doing it. Why not? Because that, I'll be honest, that was pretty sweet. That was very. I would love it if Shad and Tony Khan emerged from the middle of the field and do what Vince McMahon did to WCW and talk about how he bought his competition. I would love it if Shad Khan stood out in the middle of the field and talks about how they bought WWE from Vince McMahon. That would be an interesting, uh, that would be a bombshell in the middle of that game. How about that? Uh, it sounds I'm, like it's going to be a BC universe. Jacksonville. All right. Yeah, I, th- I think I I'm buying into the hype. They've played well down the stretch, um, and I'm with you on the Brandon Staley stuff. So maybe a boneheaded decision there somewhere to not kick a field goal will come back and bite him. Ryan, Jacksonville's pass rush has been low key very very good down the stretch here. Uh, they're very good at controlling the football late in the game. You know who's not good at that? <laughs> the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, and in playoff football, it's all about how clean you play, and I'm going to take the job. They're a better coached outfit. 
I think the coach is the big part of this. Now, I think we could we could kibitz that the quarterbacks are whatever. I think Herbert, you know, I, I think he's still a bit overrated. People are calling him Jesus Christ here, basically. I'm not ready to do that. Um, but Trevor Lawrence actually, you know, he I think he's I really love what he's done the last how many weeks. So I think this is gonna be a great quarterback matchup. I think this is gonna be a good game. I think this is gonna be a high scoring, fun game. I think people are gonna enjoy it. Uh, I'm with you guys though. I'm going to ride the Doug Peterson hot hand. And I think they are the hot hand, right? They're, they've played really well lately. Mike Williams seems to get hurt if you breathe on him wrong. Uh, and he sure enough got hurt, was limping to the bus at the end of the game in week 17. And people are killing Staley for playing the starters. And I'm like, I don't know, man. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. I can't I can't get mad at him either way. Um, but clearly Williams never stays healthy, so that's something to think about. I'm going to take Jacksonville to win this game as well. All right. Sunday morning, in a game that could be very ugly, the Miami Dolphins are on the road at Buffalo. Bills are 10.5-point favorites. Zach. Um, yeah, I'm going to take Buffalo here. I, I'll, be, I'll be honest, right? Like, I don't know that these matchups could have gone any worse for the NFL. I agree. Right? I mean, you've got three divisional rematches um, and they're not exactly like big time rivals either. And Pittsburgh would have been far more compelling against, uh, against Buffalo. I think like, right. I mean, they're, they're trending upward rookie quarterback. That would have been a more interesting story. We're not going to get to a correct. I don't think we are now. They haven't said anything about that, but you can't put him back on the field. You can't, you can't put him back out there. Now, is it going to be Teddy or is it going to be Skylar Thompson? Which I'm gonna lie to you. If it's Skylar Thompson, I think I'd rather have Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I'll t- I'm gonna go with Buffalo, and uh, I I don't think it's it'll be a particularly close one either. Ryan, yeah, uh, you know if if you wanted to give Buffalo close to a first round buy, this might be it. Uh, if yeah, if felt practically if, giving them everything else, I wouldn't have been surprised. It, yeah, they're they're just jonesing for a Buffalo Super Bowl right now, don't you think? Oh God! Uh, the uh, if it's Skylar Thompson, I don't know why we're playing this game, but uh, <laughs> yeah, give me Buffalo and the points. Give me Buffalo and the points as well. I there's just no chance and no chance in hell that Miami wins, especially if Skylar Thompson starts. If Skylar Thompson starts, they're going to be lucky to keep this within twenty points. Un- underrated here the fact that that Tyreek Hill came up hurt at the end of their last game. Uh, I mean, that's arguably the biggest part of this for me is, is you might be able to make it work with some short passes with a bad quarterback against that defense with your, with your playmakers. But if you're missing 50% of the biggest part of your offense against that defense, I don't trust it. So I'm, I'm just going to say this. I mean, I know I picked Buffalo, but if Skylar Thompson plays and wins this game, we're going to run back. Your two guys' sound clips here for many years. That's Probably. fine. That's fine. I'll own that because I just, I guess I've seen nothing out of Skylar Thompson that makes me think otherwise. Yeah, I like, agree. That's the problem is I just haven't seen any evidence that he can be a big time playoff quarterback in a playoff atmosphere in a tough crowd in a hot, it will be a raucous, hostile environment. I just don't know if I've seen any evidence that he can do that. Now with Teddy. I'm not saying Teddy can win the game, but at least Teddy's a, a a steady hand, and Teddy might be able to keep him in the game. And they might even cover if Teddy plays. Like they might be able to keep it inside a ten. 
I don't know if they I don't think they can win, but Teddy gives them a much steadier hand. Miami should and have two, called uh, I don't know. Miami should have called Philip Rivers. Who yeah, maybe. And Tua and can't play. <laughs> right? I would have called Roethlisberger. Yeah. If Tua, if Tua can't go, like this what's what's Eli Manning doing? Yeah, I could I I'd call Tony Romo. It's like you're in the booth, right? You're already here. Can you come down and just sling it around for us a little bit? I think he could do it. Uh, I don't think you can't play Tua under any circumstances. Even if Tua came to him and said, I'm good, put me in. No way. You, it, that would be malpractice to do that. I think I you're never reacting a little bit to that. but You think so? He's had three concussions. How can you put him back out there? Well, if he's cleared, he's cleared. But he's cleared, he's cleared. You can't. You, you, I, I think Three in a year is a lot. I think we're underrating the fact that I don't think that I don't think Tua wants to play. Well, that's different. That's then he doesn't yeah, come I, to him and say. He's I agree. Done. I agree. I'm just saying I, I don't think he wants to play. I think I can't. I couldn't imagine a doctor in his right mind or good conscience could clear him with three concussions in four months. There's just no way. I. I, I Based on what we know of brain injuries, and we don't know a lot, I agree, but but I, I can't think that that's good. And I'm not a neurosurgeon, but I just I don't I don't I just don't see it. All right, next one: the New York Giants, who have become the very trendy upset pick in the playoffs, go on the road against Minnesota, which they did on Christmas Eve just a few short weeks ago, and lost by a field goal. The Vikings are favored by a field goal, a three point favorite for the Vikings. Ryan, what do you think? Minnesota wins and covers. Um, I, I just don't, I don't trust Daniel Jones in a high pressure situation. Every time you've put him in a high pressure situation, uh, he hasn't played particularly well. Uh, I don't think he looked great last time. And it's, I don't know. It, to me, it, it feels like that Minnesota plays a, a, a bad game and then they go on a run of, of three or four games where they play really well. And uh, you had the really bad game in green Bay and you came out on uh, against the bears and did what you had to do, rested your starters and, and, and won that game. You know, the, the starters didn't look awful uh, when they were in there. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to take Minnesota to win this game. Close game. They don't win. They don't win big because they never win big, but I'll take Minnesota to win. Well, and that's for that reason is why I'm going to pick the Giants. Is that I think even if, even if Minnesota does win the game, they're not going to cover. Um, like a one point win, you think at the horn, something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know they kick a field goal at the buzzer or uh, get a random safety, and, you know, some more horseshoe action for them. And they come away with a, a wild card win here. See, I do worry about. Because we don't have the advantage of a field, right? We don't have the advantage of like weather conditions or anything like that. So this is just a regular old turf indoors. Now the crowd's going to be really into it, no question about it. One of the best crowds in the NFL. I got to assume they're going to be very loud, very into this game, no question. Um, but the Giants have already played in it. They've already played in this environment and they played well. Uh, they played in the big whiteout game, right? So they saw this crowd at full voice once before, and they almost won the game. D- I. I don't think the Giants are great, but this Vikings defense, I do think, might be the worst of the playoff teams. They might be the worst of the 14 teams in the playoffs. And I don't think you can win a lot of playoff games with a bad defense. I think the Giants can at least cover, like Zach says, if not outright win it. 
I don't like the disrespect that the Vikings are getting, but I think they're getting it because the Vikings had a minus three point differential this year and their defense is one of the worst in the league. Uh, I don't think that's a recipe for playoff success. It's, it's worth concerned. mentioning. It's worth mentioning too that the Giants also had a negative point differential this year. They were, but they were more close. They were nine, seven, and one. I mean, that's a big difference between I, I nine, seven, and one, it's, and thirteen, and four. I understand. I'm just saying that the Giants also had a negative point differential. And we would agree that the Vikings' offense is superior to the Giants' offense. Like Danny Dimes, Kirk Cousins. That to me, it's not close. Jefferson's the best player on the field for either side. We know that. Right, we would agree on all of that. The defense just isn't very good for the for the Vikings. No, I, I agree that the defense isn't very good. I think that the defense can play well at times. They've shown that they can show they can play with flashes. They can get turnovers, and I think for me that would be that's my concern with with Daniel Jones in this game is we haven't seen him play a playoff game. That's it's very fair thing, too. It's one thing to go into US Bank Stadium in a whiteout game on Christmas Eve and play well. It's a whole other monster to go in against a uh, a team at home in the playoffs, right? I mean fair. that's it's it's a different level of energy. Very fair. I I, I that's a, a fair statement as well. I can't disagree with you. I I Baltimore, will say that Dable, oh, go ahead, Zach. Dable said today playoff experience is overrated. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would generally agree with it that it is overrated. I, I think it is. But on the road, I think it matters. Right. I'm not we saying it's I'm not saying it's the be all end all, but I'm saying it matters. I do think it's the best game of the I do think it's the best game of that Sunday too. I I think it's gonna be a really good game. Although this one's interesting, especially since we really don't know if Lamar's gonna play or not. I would lean to the, that he wouldn't play because we've seen no sign that he will play. And I, I do think this divorce thing with these two teams is real. Um, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Sunday night. The, the Bengals are favored by six and a half. Uh, six and a half, Zach. Uh, that seems like a lot, but I, I just think that Cincinnati knows them too well. And I'm, I'm just not convinced that the Baltimore defense or the Baltimore offense can keep up with them. And I think the defense is going to be having to really pitch a big time game here, and they're not going to quite do it. So I'll take I'll take the Bengals to win and cover. Bengals to win and cover Ryan. I missed the line. What was the number? Six and a half for the Bengals. Yeah, Bengals win and cover. Bengals win and cover. We're f- and you've been and Ryan to your and your defense all season long. I will give you this. Like I think you were the earliest to get back on the Bengals train before even me and Zach. The Bengals look legitimately good right now. I mean, like legitimate Super Bowl contender. Uh, I've been really impressed by them the last few weeks. It feels like they've really come into their own. As opposed to Baltimore, that seems like they're kind of just piecing it together right now, just hanging on by a thread. Yeah, and Joe Burrow, to me, is he's just icy, right? I mean, he he just – he's never intimidated and and – that's the recipe. That is the recipe for success in the playoffs for a quarterback for me. Is yep. first of all, he's been there now. You know, he's he's seen what a Super Bowl looks like. He he's seen what it takes to get there. Um, he's playing at home, and you know, you look at the look at the quarterbacks who have had a ton of success in the in the postseason recently. Between between you know Mahomes and Brady and uh, and you know. When they've played well, Rodgers, you know, th- these these guys that play well play with ice in their veins, and and Burrow's one of those guys now. So, yeah, give me give me the Bengals in this game. 
I'll take the Bengals as well. I think the I think the Ravens I think the Ravens quietly stink. Like I think without Lamar Jackson, they don't have wide receivers. Um, if it's Huntley playing, like he's a one read and go guy. And so if you cover the first option, it's over. Like he has to run it. He's not a great passer. Not that Lamar's any great shakes as a passer, but he's light years ahead of, of I think, where Huntley is. And I don't think Lamar's going to play. And if he does play, he hasn't played in a month. We have no idea what he's going to look like. So This might be the last we see of the Ravens for a while. Could be, right? Could be. So give me, uh, give me the Bengals as well. Last one, guys. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are on the road on Monday night for a playoff game, which feels unfair. I, I don't know. It just un- feels it, like it's unnecessary. Yeah. It feels like you're giving, like you're putting one of these two teams at a disadvantage for the next week. Like I, they're getting one less day to prepare. I just don't love it. Okay. But I mean, that happens all the time. We've talked about it where the team plays on Sunday and then the next week they've got to play on Saturday in the playoffs. So, right. The, whoever wins that Monday game is going to get a Sunday game next week. Yeah, that's true. You know, so that's the same, but it's it's unnecessary, right? We could have three games Saturday and three games Sunday. I would agree. We don't need a Monday night game other than it's we'll be able to watch it for our playoff uh pod. That's true. Week. We'll watch it on the pod and we'll 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 see how it goes. Tan- so we got Dallas at Tampa. Dallas is two and a half point favorites on the road against the Bucks. Uh Let's see. Who did I leave this with? Is this Zach? I think I'm leaving uh, this with Zach. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll go. Or, or Zach Glenn. This, this, right. this to me is the biggest lock of the weekend. I will take Dallas. Dallas to win and cover over Tampa Bay. Uh, biggest lock, really. Interesting. Uh, Ryan. Um, I don't know if we've watched the Dallas Cowboys the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but they have not looked good. Dak uh, has thrown a lot of picks. Not just Dak. The 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 defense hasn't looked good. The offensive line hasn't looked good. The running game has dried up. I mean, it's Dallas could win this game. Sure, they're a better team than Tampa Bay. But I'm not betting against Tom Brady against that team. If you're asking me to 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 pick Tom Brady against Dan Quinn. I'm picking Tom Brady, and I'm going to go with the Bucks to win this game. Bucks to win this game. <sighs> this is going to be a tough one because here's the thing: I love Tom, but this isn't the team for Tom. This is a bad Bucks team. It's a bad Bucks team, and not only is it a bad Bucks team, it's a poorly coached Bucks team. Like Todd Bowles is not a good football coach. Like he's not a good head coach. He might be a fine defensive coordinator. I have not seen any evidence, whether it was his time in the Jets or his time this year with the Bucs, that he is a NFL head coach that is of his that's worth his salt. And we can pick on McCarthy all we want. McCarthy wins a lot of games. He won a lot of games in Green Bay. He's won a lot of games in Dallas. I have never bet against Tom in my life. But I got to think Dallas is going to cover the two and a half and they're going to win. I'm going to take Dallas to win the game. <laughs> the, it hurts uh, my heart. I'm having heart chest pains here thinking about it. The, the, the game that I'm going to – I'm just going to point out that this it, – it's going to get talked to death. Everybody's going to mention it this week. Remember that 2010 Saints-Seahawks game? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, the Dallas's defense hasn't looked good. Their offense can be explosive, and we know Tampa is not very good at all. But could this be a high-scoring game that just somehow Tom wills wills the Bucks to a win, just throwing up deep balls to Mike Evans because they looked on on point last week. They they were connecting last week. Yeah, and that da- that Dallas secondary really isn't very good. Would I be shocked if they win? No, of course not. It's Tom. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Tom wins. But well, Dallas has to win. I think Dallas could clean house if they lose. If Dallas Jerry, loses, Jerry did come out today and say it doesn't matter. He's the coach next year, for whatever that's worth. Yeah. Although I tell you, if they lose this game and they could call Sean Payton, I can't imagine he wouldn't do that. But uh, we'll see. Uh, a lot to be said about that. That should be a very interesting game indeed. Uh, real quick on the way out, guys. I got to tell you, I think the Chiefs got royally boned here by the NFL. And the Bengals kind of did too, right? But I really think in hindsight, again, I understand all the stuff that goes around this story with Buffalo and Cincinnati last week. But to, and, and if they don't want to make up the game, that, that's okay. But like the fact that the AFC Championship game, there's a really good chance gets played at a neutral site. I just I think it's a real bone job on on the Bengals and it's a real bone job on the Chiefs. I don't know, just my thought. I don't know if you guys have a thought on that on the way out. Yeah, I you know I'm I'm going to be disappointed if they put it in a dome. If that game goes and gets played in the Indy, I will be so so upset because all three of the teams possibly involved are all outdoor northern teams or you know somewhat right they're not playing in a warm climate at least right kansas city and and buffalo and cincinnati like there shouldn't have been any discussion of that i don't know it, it better not be played in a dome yeah it's gonna be played in a dome i just don't like ryan that the league basically changed the rules in the middle of the season something that we would frown on in any fantasy football league. Like, I was just waiting for Teddy Long to come out and make it a triple threat match between the Bengals and the Chiefs and the Bills on our field or go have them go one-on-one with The Undertaker. Just changing the rules in the middle of the stream, I, I just I just don't love it. It feels it just feels it feels wrong to me on a lot of levels. And I, I get it. I get the pressure that was there. I get the political pressure. I get the challenge that was there. But I just didn't love it. Did you? What did you think? Do you have an opinion on this? I I'm I understand the frustration, but when the teams don't want to play, you're kind of backed into a corner. You can't force guys to go out there and play a game. No, I agree. And and the the result is now you have to make the math work, and, and you have to try to make the math work fairly. So. Yeah, Kansas City gets boned a little bit, but if Kansas City didn't want to get boned, win another game. They won one right. more game than they did. Yeah, that's like that's, they did that, their job. Yeah, that's my opinion on it too. Is that fine? You know, Cincinnati and Buffalo, you have a valid reason for not wanting to play the game, but in the end, that was your choice to not play the game. That's fair. So, so you, I guess, I guess it just doesn't bother me. I. A neutral site AFC championship game bothers me. A neutral site game does. I'm with Zach, though. I don't want to see it played indoors. I, but that's I, I probably where it's 
And the problem is, is that it bones the fans. Like, if you're a Chiefs fan, now it's like, well, what? If the game goes to Minnesota and gets played at U.S. Bank, now you got to take time off work, book hotels, get a car, get a flight. Yeah, I mean, take- think, think about that. The Chiefs are going to get a home playoff game. That's it. One home playoff game. Bills get two. Like, no matter what. Yeah, like, I, I just don't love that. I, I, don't I will love say it. it's not going to be at U.S. Bank Stadium because we're going to be hosting the NFC title game. So. <laughs> What if they did it as a double header? Just put all the eggs in one basket for the day. There you go. That'd be insane. A sa- like a Saturday, Saturday NFC Championship game, Sunday AFC Championship game in the same stadium. They're, they're gonna play it at Lambeau. They're gonna play it at the Gopher Stadium. Ooh, there you go. Just to get the outdoor thing going. What if they call up Lambo as an owner? Will you let them use the stadium for the AFC title game? Uh, I think it'd be cool to play it there, but I, I think there's logistical problems with hotel rooms and things like that in Green Bay. And that's it. You wouldn't want to go play it at Soldier Field, the worst field in all of the NFL, even though it's kind of a nice middle ground. And do you play it in Pittsburgh? Like that? That I mean, Pittsburgh would make some sense, I suppose. I think, but- I think if it if it's if it's Bills and Chiefs, Cleveland. Yeah. Would make sense. Right? It's kinda in the middle there. Right? I wouldn't I wouldn't put I wouldn't put the Bengals game in Cleveland though. No, that uh, doesn't uh, seem right. and, they, and they probably have to kind of make that decision here before they know who's in the game, is my guess. I think so. They gotta secure that because those fans have to be able to like try to figure out again, it's gonna cost fans a fortune. It totally bones the fans, it screws them over. But they need time, right? If they're going to go to these things, they gotta they gotta piece that together somehow. Yeah, I think you know, like Detroit might be another possibility. I just think I think Indy is going to be it because it's a dome. It's and as much as the NFL loves offense, they're going to put those teams in a dome. And I think that um, it, you know it's it's centrally located, but you could see Detroit as well. Yeah, um, but I, 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 you know, I'm resigned to the fact that it's going to be in a dome, but I don't think it should be in a dome. Well, we'll keep an eye on it to be continued. Obviously, guys, I want you to enjoy the week of playoff football. We made it to the end of the regular season. We only have like four football pods left of the year. That's pretty incredible uh, that our time is uh, our drawing to a close, but we've got Six playoff games and three days worth of football, and no doubt our tech stream will be going bananas uh, as we go through the rest of the week. So, gentlemen, I want to thank you again, as always, for joining us this week. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it. And we've got to talk with Zach later on this week as well. Lots of stuff coming on in the pod. We're going to try to get Zach back on, maybe Ryan back on or Ty back on somebody because we've got to talk Carlos Correa. There's so much stuff out there in the news that we want to get to, a little pod pari maybe this week, um, and, and, and a bunch of other stuff as well. So, again, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, of course, our site at podbean.com, feel free to go ahead and check that out. So until next time, for Ryan, for Zach, this is Tim saying keep your head up, and we'll see you.